I'm going to continue in the series, The Foundation of Truth. And this is actually part three. Today will be part three of the love of God. And for those who have never joined us before, who haven't joined us before, I usually do a brief recap and then then go into the, the message for today. So the main focus of this series is concerning the social unrest because of the racism and also to show that how we ought to live or how we in Christ must live. This is not an option. This is how we must live. And these re- the recap I'm doing here, the love of God actually showing the extent of, of God's compassion and love and mercy. And that was revealed through Christ. And also to show that this is the same heart and mind that we ought to have. So, based on the recap I'm going to do from last week, I spoke from the book of Luke, chapter 10, and I talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I defined, um, based on the parable, I defined what compassion was. And compassion is defined as to feel pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. I don't have time to go back into the, the, the story, but I'll... A couple of specific things I pointed out in that, um, in that message last week. And a few things. What I, we found out is that our neighbor is anyone that is in need. Race, background, etc. is not a determining factor in who we help. Our neighbor is anyone that is in need. And we cannot categorize people. The priest and the Levite represented the religious people, the religious folks who ignored him. They ignored that person in need and they did not help that person. The Samaritan was the example used by Jesus when he was given the parable. And the Samaritan had compassion and showed mercy on the person that was in need. And I said it's not enough just to have compassion. Because I said I can define compassion as to feel pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. A lot of people have compassion, but they don't show compassion. Okay? So it's not only enough to have compassion, you you also have to show compassion and mercy. It is always about meeting someone's needs, especially when they are powerless. When somebody doesn't have the power to change their situation, as was in the case of the person who was mugged and left for dead, The Samaritan intervened and helped that person because they were in a condition where they could not help themselves. I also said a lack of love is easy to justify by many. Give us a a reason not to do anything. I said that is unacceptable. Fear is a powerful spirit and people will always find a reason to dislike or hate another race because of, of fear. We cannot be complicit when our brethren are mistreated and we must help those who are powerless. I also stated that the church has failed over the centuries to deal with racism. And because of that, it has become a systemic problem and a stronghold. Racism and discrimination occurred because of many silent voices, especially in the church, which is represented, I said, by the priest and the Levite. Who saw a people being mistreated and did nothing about it? So this is a new time, a new season, and we cannot be complicit anymore. We have to speak up 
and speak out when we see injustice and, and people being mistreated. Now, the power of a united front and with one voice can affect change. In the church, we must have a united voice against racism. It must not be tolerated. We must speak out against it and outside the church. We definitely must not tolerate it in the church and we will not tolerate it outside the church. God likewise showed compassion and mercy when he sent Jesus Christ to be the atoning sacrifice for man's sin. God knew man could do nothing about his condition, his sin condition, and gave man a way out by sending Christ to be the atoning sacrifice. So God stepped in and changed the outcome for man because man deserved death. But he sent Christ so that we can be, we have an out. We didn't have to suffer for our sins. We have an advocate, the Lord Jesus, who paid the penalty, the price, so that we don't have to pay it ourselves. So that's a brief recap. So today I want to continue with the love of God, and as I said, this will be part three. Now, this love of God, and I must reiterate, is not about human love. It's about compassion to bring about reconciliation between God and man. That's the, what the love of God is about. Reconciling lost man, man who is separated from God in their heart and mind, to bring them back into re relationship with God. That is the love of God. That's what the love of God is. That's why he sent Christ, so that lost man can be reconciled to him. Now, I want to define racism because... The scriptures I'm going to go to, and you can turn to it now in John chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 3. The book of John chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 3. And there's an example of, of, of um, racism. And I want to divine racism. So when I read the story, you understand the context of what it is we're talking about. So you can turn to John chapter 4, and uh, I will define racism while, you, while you're turning there. Now, I define racism as defined as prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a people or a person on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. I'll repeat that. It's defined as prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. So based on that definition, let's go to John chapter 4, and we're going to start reading from verse 3. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of reading, but I have to read so we can get the, the, the essence of the story and the context of what is happening. So you have an understanding of what, what I'm going to be talking about. So John chapter 4, I'll start reading from verse 3 to verse 19, then verse 27 to 34, and 39 to 42. You don't have to remember all that. I will just tell you, and you will just move to those verses as I go through. Okay, John chapter 4, I'm going to start at verse 3. So this is Jesus and the disciples getting ready to go from Judea, which is in the southern part of Israel, and they were going to Galilee, which is in the northern part of Israel. So he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, 
That's Jesus. And he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is around 12 noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So Jesus keeps talking to this woman. He keeps having this conversation. And let's move on to verse 27. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? Verse 28. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, which is crucial, and this is a critical scripture here, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let's go to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word, his own word. Verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world.
I'm going to stop there. There's a lot of reading, but there's, there's a reason why I, re I read it like that. So let me just give you a brief background about the Jews and the Samaritans to understand why uh, the woman reacted the way she did and why the disciples reacted the way they did and why overall the people reacted the way to Jesus. You have to understand the history between the Jews and the Samaritans. Now the Jews considered themselves as pure descendants of Abraham and hated the Samaritans because they were considered impure. They were considered inferior to the pure bloods, the Jews, because the Samaritans were a mixed race people. Because you had when um, the Assyrians, this is historic, I'll give you a little background here in history, when Assyria invaded um, Israel, uh, they had put, they had left people in, in that area region called Samaria, Samaria. And those who were left, the Assyrians who left there to keep after the interests of, 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 of Assyria, they intermarried with the Jews that were there. So you have descendants now who are of mixed race, and they call them Samaritans because of the region of Samaria. So the pure blood Jews hated the mixed race Samaritans. Okay, so there's a little history I'm giving you here. So Jews hated Samaritans because they weren't considered pure. So any Jews traveling from the southern part of Israel to the northern part or from the northern part of Israel to south, where Jerusalem was, they never went through Samaria. They would always move to the outside of Samaria, outside of the region, to avoid any interaction with Samaritans. That's why I read the definition of racism, because the pure-blood Jews were racist against the Samaritans, because they weren't considered pure. They were considered inferior, and they were marginalized by the pure-blood uh, Jews. So now you understand the context. So this particular day where we go from verse 3 and then verse 4, Jesus, he's, the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. It's very interesting that it says he needed to go through Samaria. Because typically the route, they will go around Samaria. But for this particular day, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. The reason why he needed to go through Samaria is because, number one, he was led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was leading him to have an appointment with a woman at a well. Now, she didn't know she had an appointment, but he knew he had the appointment. And he knew when she would come to the well. And I'll just give you a little tidbit of why that is. Because the woman, if you know, understand a woman's reputation, people normally won't come in the middle of the day to get, to get water. It's too hot. That's the hottest part of the day. They will either come early or they come later. But she came in the middle of the day because of her reputation. You know, she's a woman. She had five husbands and then she shacked up with another guy. So she wasn't looked upon very favorably by, by people. So she came in a time of the day where she didn't have to interact with too many people. But Jesus, of course, as you read here in verse 5, he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And it says here in verse 7, The woman came to the well to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me water. You have to understand, when Jesus got there, and the Bible says there, it was, he was tired from the journey. So, you know, he was hustling to get there for around noon, because he knew he had an appointment with, with this woman. Because if he got there an hour later, he wouldn't have met the woman at the well. She would have already gone. So there's, you know, I'm giving you a little background to show you the timing of God, 
And now while Jesus always was led by the Spirit to do certain things. So for this particular day, he was on his way to Samaria and he had an appointment with this woman at the well and he knew around noon that she was going to be there. Now it's exciting when you watch how Jesus carried on this conversation with this woman. Number one, the woman said to him when he said, give me to drink. The first thing she said to him, how come it is that you, a Jew, is asking a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she know all right, she knows the history, she knows that the Jews don't like them. And they probably in turn they don't care for the Jews either because they know the Jews hate them. The Jews are, are discriminate against them and avoid them at all at, at all costs. So she's asking him a valid question. You're a Jew, why are you talking to me? Why are you even you know in my space? Basically she's asking him this question. But if you notice Jesus' response, Jesus responded by saying, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you notice, Jesus never answered her question. She asked him, Why are you talking to me? You guys don't have any dealings with us. Jesus never tried to justify why he was speaking or defend himself. Most of us, or I probably say, listen, I'm not racist. I don't hate Samaritans. I'm not like the typical Jew. I am a progressive Jew. You know, we, we talk like that. We want to defend our position. I'm not racist. But if you watch what Jesus says here, Jesus did not, he did not even answer her question. He went on about what he was interested in talking about. So if you look at Jesus here, he didn't even try to justify himself. He didn't try to defend his, his position. His conversation and behavior eventually revealed that he isn't, he isn't racist. He didn't have to say he wasn't racist. And as you follow along the story, you will see his behavior and his conversation is evident that he's not a racist person. Okay, so Jesus keeps a conversation about her and what he had to offer. He was talking about living water. So he got her interest. She's asking him, like, listen, listen, you give me this living water. I don't need to come to this well anymore. You gotta, I want that water that you're talking about. But Jesus is talking spirit. She is thinking natural. He's talking about spiritual things. And if you understand and you watch the life of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is always about talking about spiritual things. All right? So he keeps the conversation about her and what he has to offer her. Never about the social issues. Never about the racist, the racism that's going on. Jesus did not, was not focused on that. He was going after deeper things. He focused on why he was there. Because he was led by the Spirit. Because Jesus said, I do nothing except what the Father shows me. And I say only what he tells me to say. So the Spirit led him to Samaria. To go to Galilee and to take the route through Samaria. Because he had an appointment. Not only with the woman at the well, but with the people in Samaria. There was something God was ready to do in that area. And the woman was a catalyst that God was going to use to bring to pass what he desired to bring to pass in that time. Okay, so verse 27, if you watch now what happened now, the reaction of the disciples, when they came and saw him at the well talking to this woman. So the disciples came at verse 27 and they are thinking now, they are saying, 
They marveled that he talked with a woman. Number one, he's talking to a woman by himself, no one else around. And he was talking with a Samaritan woman. Though none of them said, why are you talking to her? And one of the, and they didn't say, well, what does she want? So they, they're thinking it, but they're not going to vote. They can't vocalize it because they know better than to question Jesus when he's doing something. So they're just like going with the flow. But in their mind, they're, they're like, why is he talking to this woman? She's a Samaritan. We don't deal with these people. Why is he talking to her? So Jesus is continuing with his conversation. And there they are at the sidelines like wondering what's going on. Why is he talking to this woman? But you understand that their focus was on natural things. Their focus on was, was on the social issues. Jesus wasn't about that. He was about his purpose. He was about doing the Father's will. Why was he at the well at noon talking to this woman? That was his focus. That was Jesus' focus. And that was always his focus wherever he went. Now I'm saying all this to you for a reason. And I'll get to it a little later. So if you watch what happened now. The woman left Jesus and went to tell her friends about her encounter with this Jewish man at the well. So when she went, the disciples now were having a conversation with Jesus about food. Because after all, he was tired, so he wanted something to drink. And they went into town to get food. So now they're like, they ask him about eating. He said, look, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So then they say, well, did somebody give him something to eat? They are thinking natural, he's thinking spirit. There are two levels here of thought. All right? And Jesus was always about what the spiritual things, about what he was about, what his purpose is, and accomplishing his purpose. Wherever he went, whatever he was doing, it was always about the Father's business. Verse 39, Many of the Samaritans believed in, on him because of the word of the woman. Because she went back and she testified of this man who was telling her, talking about all her business. And, and they came to her, and based on what they heard, they begged or urged Jesus to, to, well, to stay with them and spend more time with them because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And he spent two more days with, there with them. And they said, many more believe because of his word. And they said to the woman, we believe now, not because of what you said, but because we have heard him, and now we know, based on what we have heard, that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, a few more things here let me touch on. The Samaritans received Jesus and he stayed two additional days. Now, listen to the beginning what this woman was saying. You know the history between the Jews and the Samaritans. We know what the woman said to him when she first encountered, encountered Jesus at the well. You Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. Why are you talking to me? Now, we further down, after now, the, she testified and after the people came to him, they, the Samaritans, received Jesus, and he stayed two additional days. Now they went from the Jews hating Samaritans, having racial issues, to having this Jewish man spend two more days with them. What changed? What was different? Well, I'll tell you what was different. Not only did Jesus stay, the disciples also stayed with him two days. And had, they had overcome their attitude about the Samaritans because of the example of Jesus. Jesus didn't get caught up in the social issues. He was, he was focused on what the Father had him in that place to accomplish about spiritual things. And he never explained himself, himself, himself to the disciples. He just said, we're going to go through Samaria. 
The disciples didn't question him. They just followed. Okay? They followed and they learned by his example. It was only after Jesus' death and resurrection and when they became filled with the Spirit, then they understood. They had the understanding of what Jesus was doing. While they were with him in Samaria, they didn't understand why Jesus was doing what he was doing. It's only after he died and resurrected and they were filled with the Spirit, then they understood what he was doing because the Spirit brought it to their remembrance and the Holy Spirit taught them, explained to them, gave them the understanding of what Jesus was doing. So what was Jesus about? Why was he there? Number one, Jesus was focused on his purpose. The love of God, when Jesus was there, the love of God was extended to a, pe- to a people. First it started with the woman, then to a people, the Samaritans, people who were marginalized and considered inferior and impure, right, by the, ma- by the majority of the Jews. The impact of it was to reconcile them to God. That's why that's what Jesus' focus was on reconciling these people who were considered marginalized in the eyes of the Jews, but not in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, the Samaritans were precious, and Jesus' purpose for there was to extend the love of God so that anyone who believes can be reconciled to God through Him. So God didn't doesn't care about race. He didn't care about. If it was Samaritans or whatever. He didn't care about their social issues. God doesn't care about the racial issues. He's concerned about people's souls. That's why I said, we in the body of Christ, we have to look at people through the eyes of God. God doesn't look at race. He doesn't care about the social issues. He looks at people's heart and, the, and his love is about being extended to people so that they can be reconciled to God. It's the same way. We have to look at people through God's eyes and think of them, their souls, as being precious and valuable. We look at people and take them as they are. God doesn't care about what people think, number one. He does not care about what people think. God extends love to people who are in need, for people who want Him. He extends His love to everyone. Race is irrelevant. If you want Him, you can have Him. He don't care about people's hang-ups. His focus is on setting people free from sin and reconciling them to himself. Example in Luke 19.10 when Jesus speaks about himself. And this is what he was doing. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That which was lost doesn't say whites, blacks, Asians. That which was lost refers to anyone. And in this instance, it was the Samaritan woman that, and her people that God had an appointment with. It was time for them to come to him. It was time for them to be reconciled to God. That was the purpose why Jesus went there. Jesus did not allow himself to get caught up with the social issues and biases of the time, even the biases of the, his own disciples. He didn't get influenced by that. His purpose was to influence them and to change the way they think, the way they thought. He was not troubled about race issues concerning the Samaritans. He was about saving those who were lost. Jesus was always about doing the Father's will and finishing his work. He said, my will is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My will is to do what God requires of me and make sure 
it's finished. I do what's required. And that should be our heart also. To do what's required of us and to finish this work. His work. So when we leave this earth, when we leave this separate from this body, we can know, Lord, we are we were here and we did what you required of us. We left nothing undone. That should be our heart's cry. Extending the love of God. That's, that's a big, big part in why we are here, why we're in the body, is to extend the love of God to all those who are lost. So they're not only racist white, they're racist blacks. They're racist Asian. They're racist Indian. They're, race, they're racist in every, in every race. But God came and sent, Jesus came so that people can be set free from that bondage of racism. That spirit of fear, that bondage of hate. People, that's why Christ came. So we must have the same mindset. Not to get caught up with all the drama and be Christ-centered. This is the time for the church to be focused and become Christ-centered. Enough of religion, enough of playing the religious games. It is time for us to walk in the light, to be like Christ, to have the mind of Christ, to put our flesh to death and start walking in the ways of God. No matter what it looks like, we cannot afford to walk contrary to the ways of God. It is time for the church to wake up. We are here to show the love of God by sharing the good news of Christ, Jesus Christ, so that people can be reconciled to God. The Samaritans persuaded him, Jesus, to spend two more days. Why would they do that? Knowing that the Jews hate the Samaritans. And I'll tell you why they persuaded Jesus and why he stayed two more days. Because Jesus didn't judge them. He accepted them as the way they were. He showed them respect and he shared the word of God with them. And the reason why he was allowed to stay two more days, because they trusted him. He didn't marginalize them. He didn't try to tell them how to live. He didn't bring up social issues or racial issues. He was just being himself, loving them where they were. He didn't judge them. He didn't try to demean them. He didn't try to belittle them. He didn't try to correct them. All he did was meet them where they were and love them the way they were. Because by that he opened the door where his words can change their heart. And because that's what it takes to, for somebody to overcome their racist in inclination and their racist bias. They have to be changed from the inside out. That's the only way change of heart is going to take place. And that's what Jesus did. So they trusted him. And because they trusted him and they understood that he really cared about these people, they were allowed him to stay two more days. The way he carried himself showed that he wasn't a racist person. So you have to let your lifestyle, you have to let your speech, you have to let the way you treat people reveal to them that you're not a threat, that you're not a racist person. So that is the way we should treat each other. And the people in the world. We, we First, we must make sure that our heart is pure. Trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide the conversation. Because that's what Jesus did. He was the Father led him through the whole conversation. And it's never about race. When God is talking to people and you're trying to reach people, it's never about race. It's never about social issues. Get that out of the equation. The Word of God is powerful enough. To bring to pass what it needs to bring to pass. God don't need help. All he needs you to do is open your mouth. And let him do the talking. 
But you have to be understand when you are the one talking and when he's allowing you, when you're allowing him to speak through you. Because when you have hidden stuff in your heart, that's not God, that's you. But this is something you learn. But I'm saying, it's never about race. The love of God requires us to walk in humility, to meet people where they are, and not try to act superior or more intelligent. When you come with an attitude of superiority, you will be exposed. The attitudes with this encounter with, with Christ and the, and the dis- disciples and the Samaritans, the attitudes of the disciples and the Samaritans change. They weren't thinking about social issues. By the time they started, they start hanging out and they spend those day, few days, they weren't thinking about social issues. They weren't thinking about Jews hating Samaritans and Samaritans hating Jews. That, was on the, that, not, that wasn't even in their mind. They were just fellowshipping and getting along. They both experience the love of God through Christ. People of different races can come together as one if their focus is truly on Christ. The love of God is not human love. I don't know how else to say it. God's love is not like human love. Human love is superficial. But God's love is about compassion, to bring about reconciliation between himself and man. Overcoming racism in the body of Christ requires a heart of love, which comes from a new way of thinking. Having the mind of Christ. How do you have a new way of thinking? How do you have the mind of Christ? Through the Word. The Word of God, this written Word. You read it. The Holy Spirit will teach you what it means and show you how to apply it to your life so that your life can be an essence of Christ, can bear fruit. That's the whole purpose of, the, of this Word. It's to read it and let the Spirit teach you. You meditate on it and you will be taught. The Holy Spirit will, like, will reveal things about him, about Christ to you. And when you get that understanding, then you understand how you ought to walk. This is not religion. This is experience. A spiritual experience. You know, Jesus could have been distracted. He knew this woman had five husbands. She knew He knew she was living in sin. What, what was His focus? His focus wasn't about her condition, living in how she was living. Because he knew if he got to her, right, if he got to her soul, if he expressed the love of God, if she can receive that, her life is going to change. Because it has to happen from the inside out. You see, when you focus on people on the outside, you're dealing with the symptoms. You're not dealing with the root cause of the problem. And to overcome racism, you've got to deal with, this, with the root cause, which is in people's hearts and minds. And once you can change that, then, the, then it happens from the inside out. It manifests, manifests by the way people speak and what they do. So the one who used to be racist is no longer racist because the change has to occur inside. That is how the love of God operates. That is how we in the body of Christ have to move. That is how we have to love one another. That's why the Bible says, do not know anyone after the flesh. We have to know them after the spirit. We can't focus on the outside. We have to focus on what's in people's hearts and minds. Don't get allow ourselves to be distracted with the outside, the superficial stuff. Yes, we get angry with all the stuff going on. But understand how we have to, when we interact with people, how we have to interact. That's why I said, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If your heart is polluted with hate and racism and biases, it's going to come out your mouth. 
you want to witness to people and be a testimony of, of Christ, you're going to get messed up because your heart is not pure. It's bogged down with stuff that has nothing to do with the love of God. It's going to come out your mouth. That's why the Bible says we've got to keep our heart pure, clean. Don't allow ourselves to get polluted. It's not that you don't care. It's that we have a different agenda. Taking, snatching people from darkness into light. That is our ministry of reconciliation. So I'm going to stop there today. And I really hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.